0: It's Sound of Hockey episode twenty one. You know what that means? Oh yes, it is okay for us to have a nice college soda. Cheers, gentlemen. Cheers, to episode Cheers. twenty one. Cheers. Cheers to you, the listeners. Hold on one second. Ah, oh yeah, that's good.
1: That's good stuff. It's very hoppy. Oh yes, this episode's going to be hoppy. Yep, very yeah, hoppy. Lots we're gonna, of hops. We're going to definitely <laughs>
0: hop on a lot of topics. Today. Well, this is the
1: beauty of a podcast. You can't drink on the radio. Right. We don't no. have a beer on the podcast. Oh, yeah, for sure. You can do whatever you want on a podcast. We're in a basement
0: for God's sake. <laughs> Sound of Hockey, episode 21. As we just mentioned, it is totally fine for us to drink a beer. <laughs> That's what we're doing. It's the Stan Makita episode. Big episode. That's right. Yeah. Big we, tribute. Yeah, big, big tribute. And, like and who better to tribute the great Stan Makita than having a great guest on the show, which we did in fact have, and, and you're going to enjoy it. We had Nick Katsunika on who is a writer for NHL.com, big Michigan guy, big Red Wings guy, who we actually had had on the show very briefly before. He was at Henry's Tavern the day that the franchise officially got awarded to Seattle. So, we had very briefly spoken to him but this time we were able to get into the nitty-gritty with him a little bit more. So, really fun interview. Before we get to that, lots to talk about though. It's it's been a little while since we've been with you. So, bear with us because there's plenty to cover today. Uh, first and foremost though, as we always do, we'll start with our latest review which comes from yes.29999. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I think I know 29998. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah, which is <laughs> it's a good guy. I know yeah, him yeah, too. Yeah. 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 Uh, review says NHL to Seattle five stars big fan and yes I bought the shirt so I think that means they bought an NHL to Seattle t-shirt nice there you go yep yep John still has those for sale for a nominal fee.
2: <laughs> yep. And they're sitting right here in the basement. Yep, right here in, in bar- the studio. So right
0: here, they're the surrounding us. So right please, please else's. buy them. Although <laughs> keeping them around is nice because I think it helps with like our acoustics. Uh, sure. You know? Yeah. Yeah. So, so you know what? Don't, don't buy, buy them. <laughs> don't buy a t-shirt. Yeah. Yes. says excited for 2021 and really enjoying the commentary. Music is Classic. Thank you. Along, <laughs> along with the, the uh, along with the "Get Off My Lawn" moments, and for a goal song, think about "Down with the Sickness" by Disturbed. Oh, ah, ah, ah. ah. Go crap weasels. Mm, <laughs> not bad. Not bad. <laughs> I, you know, I don't hate it. And uh, I, I don't know if I'm a huge disturbed guy myself. Not that, you know, not that I'm judging you for being a disturbed guy or girl. That's totally fine. But I, I personally wouldn't vote for that. But I I love the, the inspiration. Well, I, I
2: think it's better in Macklemore. So good, good, on, oh you. good on you. Yeah. Oh, my God. Good on you, 999. Nine, 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 am
0: nine, nine. never going to
1: relent on the Macklemore.
0: Yeah. We, we also had some listener feedback via Twitter <laughs> that we wanted to share that we thought was interesting. It came from at Husky Chemist who's been uh, a big supporter here, at least in the last few weeks. He's definitely picked up the show and has been communicating with us quite a bit. He mentioned that he was curious to know who some other hockey people are to follow. So we thought we would all uh, mention to you who our favorite follows are. John, who's yours?
2: Oh, Definitely uh, Down Goes Brown, Um, Sean McAdoo. He writes for The Athletic. Couldn't be more of a funny guy about hockey. Uh, he's, he's classic. He's awesome.
0: Yeah. He approaches it with a lot of levity. Like nothing, Mm -hmm. nothing is too serious. You know, at the end of the day, it's just a sport where it is.
2: And his knowledge in history, history knowledge is deep.
1: It is really deep. He he's got some some deep cuts, if you will. So it's pretty. He's pretty good. Uh, for me, I, I, I would recommend Elliot Friedman from Sportsnet. Uh, he's in tune. He's tuned in with all the GMs, players, coaches. He he kind of knows a lot. Uh, he has a thirty-one thought uh, article that you can read on Sportsnet every week. And he was nice to me once in a bar.
0: Yeah. No, he's he's a great follow <laughs> for, for sure. He's one of those guys that like what he says is fact, and you know it. Yes. And that's he's just that tuned he's in. He's tied with, in with everybody. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so definitely a good follow. His his podcast is really good. Two thirty-one mm-hmm. thoughts, very, very well produced. And there's other show. hockey podcasts. There, uh, well, there, none of them are as good as this. One. Okay, okay, they're all right. they're all
1: superior. Right. Yeah, inferior.
0: Yeah, but if you have like so much free time that you need <laughs> more hockey podcasts in addition to ours, you might want to give that one a listen. Yes. To. Yeah, uh, and mine is our our guest today at Katsunika. So he's you know he works for NHL.com. So. Uh, he's definitely in tune with what's happening with the league and all that good stuff. So you'll hear a lot of that today on our interview. So make sure you stick around. <laughs> Some other feedback from at Husky Chemists. He mentioned that he would love to have us kind of explain the game to the newer fans. Mm-hmm. It's interesting. We've been debating it a little bit about the the right way to go about this. The thing is, we know that our listeners are kind of all over the board in terms of how much they know the game of hockey. And none of us consider ourselves like the foremost experts on the game or anything like that, but we <laughs> all have been exposed to it for a really long time. And um, so sometimes we get off on on tangents that we, we know what we're talking about, but maybe <laughs> our listeners don't. So I think what we would suggest to listeners out there is if you don't know what we're talking about at any point, feel free to reach out to us through Twitter. Twitter or through your five-star reviews, and ask questions and we'll be sure to either answer them on Twitter or if it's uh, something that's worth debating or discussing, we can circle back to it.
2: And and you know, that's good feedback that yeah, we've heard, right? Totally. And, and sometimes we we use acronyms or, or <laughs> references that we could at least kind of take a little bit more time to, to call out. We're not gonna go through every single rule of the game because mm-hmm. I don't want to and <laughs> yeah. I don't know them.
0: It would be fun though if, if you could try to explain icing in your own words. Let's not go there, please,
2: yeah. So, but either way, like I remember last. Last week, we were talking about the KHL bit yeah. and people don't probably have no idea what the KHL is. And that's – so your, your lesson for the week is yeah. KHL <laughs> is the Continental Hockey League. Spelled which with is, a K. With a K, yep. which is generally <laughs> considered uh, the second best league in the pro world, league. Yeah. pro league in the world. And it's mostly teams in Russia mm-hmm. um, or There's Eastern Europe. There's one in uh, Finland too, mm-hmm. so, but for the most part, KHL is basically the number number two pro league in the world and heavy
0: Russian. Yeah. So a lot of players in the NHL that are from Russia have come from the KHL. A lot of times they'll start in the KHL in kind of their, their younger years and then eventually come over to play in the NHL. So there's there's not they don't play that nice, the NHL and the KHL, so there's always like a weird question of, well, will this guy come or not? Because there's not, is there even a real transfer agreement between the two leagues? Not, not? I don't really. Think so. there is. I think yeah. there's just a bidding war sometimes. Yeah, so, so it's weird because there's there's always like a fight to know where a guy is going to go. And so, we that was an example we thought of where we were just talking about the KHL All Star game <laughs> ad nauseum last week. We we're like, Yeah, people probably don't even know what the KHL is. But and then we
2: referenced the guy singing the Hohe song by yeah. Luminaires. who's Canadian. So, it was, Canadian. Yeah. So, it was a Americans. Canadian playing in Russia in the
1: KHL. Our North yeah. Americans yeah. who go over there and play.
0: Are you with us?
2: Okay, good.
1: <laughs> <laughs> now you
0: know something but
1: more than you didn't know.
0: There you go. And, you know, we'll try to do that from time to time. We'll just try to give more context about what we're talking about sometimes too. But we don't want to lose our more seasoned fans, of course, because that's, I. you know, we want the seasoned fans to feel at home here, but we also want the new fans to eventually come along with us as well and, and get up to speed by listening we're to We're a very
1: inclusive.
0: Very inclusive podcast. hockey yeah. podcast. Absolutely. Let's get into some Seattle talk. Andy, I know you have some WHL updates that you've been just itching to share mm-hmm. with
1: us well there was news just today which is what day is today tuesday it's today, Tuesday, Tuesday. Yeah, tuesday <laughs> recording this uh the kootenai ice who play in the western hockey league who play out of Cranbrook Cranbrook, bc uh, announced today that they're gonna be moving to winnipeg next year which is something that's been kind of out there for the last couple years now uh it's a franchise that's had some success they had they won a whl championship not too long ago uh Sam Reinhardt of the Buffalo Sabres was a recent pretty high draft pick from them out of Kootenai. Um, But the fan base there has kind of dwindled. They're not drawing very well despite having that success. And it's been kind of coming. The team was just sold a new... Owners uh, before last season who were from Winnipeg, so that started all the rumors, and they made it official today. So they're going to be moving to Winnipeg. Uh, they're playing in some really small rink until they're going to build their own. Um, it's going to be interesting to see, though, because Winnipeg now will have the NHL Jets, obviously, the AHL's Manitoba Moose, and now this new WHL team will be there. So a lot of hockey in that market. Um it's going to be interesting to see how that all plays out so and how they all do. WHL teams kind of move around. Like, there's usually one that moves around every four or five years. Is that, uh, is that safe? S- yes and no. The last one that moved was... I want to say seven or eight years ago, the the Chilliwack Bruins went to Victoria. and are now the Victoria Royals. Okay. It does happen from time to time. Yeah. Um, well, and, you know, maybe I'm thinking
2: across the CHL in general because I know a lot of shifted. There's in been the, some the, OHL teams in the yeah.
0: OHL. Here's a beginner question for you. <laughs> How far east does the WHL go? Because Winnipeg seems really far east to me for teams that mostly travel by bus. I know when they go and play the Eastern –
1: Conference, they fly, right? But nope, they don't nope. fly. Oh, they always take the bus? Seattle this year took a bus from Portland to uh, Lethbridge, Alberta. Well, well, Lethbridge isn't that far away compared to... But that to... was a stop. They weren't even playing. There. Oh, the first okay, game was in okay, Brandon, Manitoba. Okay, yeah. So Winnipeg will be the most Eastern team okay. now. Two hours east of, of uh, Brandon, Manitoba, which was the the, the most uh, recent East. Now, teams like Seattle and the, the U.S. Division teams, they only make that trip every mm-hmm. other year. There's an Eastern Conference of the Western Hockey that gets very yeah. Very yeah, yeah. <laughs> but
2: they, they only
1: come out West or at least to the U.S. Every every year. Same thing. Every so other year. so yeah. Yeah, once okay. a year you go there and then the next year they come here.
0: Andy, did I hear you made a trip to the... Seattle Totems game recently.
1: I did. I did a story on the Seattle Totems, which is on NHL2Seattle.com that you can read. Uh, it was an interesting. Uh, the game was highly entertaining. They played the West uh, Sound Admirals and they crushed them six to two. Uh, that's the second place Totems against the last place Admirals. But it was an entertaining game. And and Thursdays the tickets are like five bucks. And so for five bucks you can get a pretty entertaining game. There was a lot of goal scored. There were some scraps. It was there was some some you know bad blood between the two teams. <laughs> it was highly entertaining. Uh, the Totems, if you're not familiar, play in the West, uh, the Western States Hockey League. So it's it's Tier Three Junior B, which is a lot of letters. It's basically a lower level junior hockey, like lower than the BCHL. But what so I didn't wait, know wait, wait,
2: hold on. What's the
1: BCHL? The British Columbia Hockey League, <laughs> Okay, which is the Wenatchee Wild play in. <laughs> Wait, that's not in British Columbia. They're, the one, team, they're the one team who's not. The okay. rest of them are in British right. Columbia. <laughs> so what level is the BCHL? That's, I, I believe it's considered as Tier 1 Junior B. Oh, I think that's or Junior, a. A. That's or B, junior sorry, a. Junior A. It's yeah. very confusing.
0: So this, so that's a step down from the W.H.L.
1: <laughs> the, the totems are, yeah, the BCHL, yes. Yep. But the BCHL... Players go there because they can keep their NCAA eligibility. So Got there's it. some good players there.
0: And two steps down would be the Totems, roughly, and, roughly yeah. speaking. And
1: yeah. and there's like 25 teams in that league. They're all over the Western states. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but what I was what I found interesting is they they have like 11 or 14 Europeans on their team because there's no there's no limit to Europeans at this level. They got a kid from Italy who was probably their best player, I thought. And they got a bunch of Russians. They got a kid from Sweden. So it's all over. There's some local kids. There's about five or six Seattle guys and then about four more that are from the Puget Sound area. And a lot of them want to go on and end up going on to play college hockey. But it's, it's usually Division Two, II, Division III, yeah. or some, even some club hockey guys. Yeah. Like the, the University of Washington's captain was a of seattle totem. Yep,
0: there
2: you go. But an
1: interesting story that I found out is that T.J. Oshi played one game for the totems. He was a ringer. <laughs> They brought him in when he was 17 to play in an exhibition game, and he scored seven goals. They won nine to something, and he scored seven of the goals. And <laughs> They were up in Hope, BC. The team they were playing got really angry and was made it clear that they were going to try and take out TJ Oshie and hurt him. So the Seattle coaches did not let him play the rest of the game. And apparently, still to this day, he remembers that. And he's upset that he wasn't allowed to go back in and try to score more than seven goals. Fascinating. <laughs> so you never know if you
0: go out to Seattle Totems game,
1: which they play at Olympic View, right? They do. Which yeah. is an Olympic-sized, uh, international size rink, Montlake yep. Terrace.
0: Yep. So if you go out to a Seattle Totems game, you might see the next TJ Oshie as a ringer,
1: you might, yeah, maybe, or some really good, <laughs> or some really good uh, European
2: players. Yeah, you know, five years ago, when I was kind of doing the, I think it was four or five years ago, I I sent out a challenge, Grand Slam of hockey in Seattle, and that was an Everett game, Everett Silvertip game, uh, Seattle Thunderbird game, uh, Seattle Totems game, and then uh, Washington Husky club hockey. <laughs> so, and it was cool because a bunch of people were like emailing me pictures at all these different <laughs> awesome. games. Yeah, so that's it, great. that's like the deep grassroots early early <laughs> development, but it was pretty cool when people used to send yeah. that to me. Well, I would
1: highly recommend if you're looking for something to do on a weekend, uh, go in and check out the totem. It's cheap. They sell beer there, also cheap. Probably only- <laughs> God know. knows we enjoy beer, am I right? <laughs> yeah, that's right. Now yeah, that we We can enjoy it now, yeah.
0: <laughs> Realize that the listeners at home actually couldn't see us drinking that beer, John. I, I felt like us drinking that beer really <laughs> yeah. added to the podcast. I mean, there's, yeah. not, there's not a live video stream of this, this whole time? <laughs> it was really for Andy. It was <laughs> <Yeah>. for Andy. <laughs> All right, let's move into some NHL talk here. So obviously there is a couple of big things that happened over the last week and change. I think the biggest thing that has happened is probably the Jake Muzzin trade in terms of like breaking news kind of stuff. So Jake Muzzin, big time defender for the LA Kings. He's been around for a long time. He's won a Stanley Cup. Uh, he gets traded to the Toronto Maple Leafs, and they get a pretty big haul back. They got a couple of prospects and a first round pick from the Leafs, which you figure that the, the first round pick, I assume it'll be a deep pick, right? Because mm-hmm. it's not from it's, somebody else. That right, picks, that's yeah. correct,
2: and it's 2019
0: Yeah, as well. so, so it'll be a, a late first round pick, but nonetheless, a first round pick is still, that's a high price to pay for Jake Muzzin. He's not a big points guy, but he is a, a big fella. He plays on the top pairing normally with Drew Doughty, right? So um, he's kind of the stay at home guy. What do you guys think of this? I mean, obviously, this this has been a big thing for the Maple Leafs for how long, right, that they've needed a defender. Mm-hmm. The general consensus is that they now got their defender that can stay at home for Morgan Riley. But what do you guys think? I don't know.
2: That I mean, that's that's been the Achilles heel of the, uh, the Maple Leafs really yep. for the last couple of years uh, It's their defense. I mean, you remember how they went out in the first round last year. I really do think that that helps – Toronto fill a very big hole that they've been fill for a while. We'll see if it's enough. I don't. I don't know. They still got to get past. They do Tampa play, hey, the, They yeah. do play the
1: stacked Atlantic. That's right. The stacked Atlantic. <laughs> <laughs> I like the trade a lot. You know, I, and Nick Konstantinik talks about it when we get to that interview. We asked him about it too, as well. But he, Buzzin, did play with Dowdy, and, and Dowdy's a very similar player to Morgan Riley, where they're they're the up and down defenseman. when you have one of those, you have, you need them. It's always good to have them playing with a more stay at home guy. So there's there's some defensive responsibility still yeah. being kept. Yeah. So those two could work really well together, and it could be a big, a big and get it's it's not throwing. just
2: a it's not just a loner right um, he's got one more year on his <coughs> contract so he'll be playing there next year as well and that's definitely well within the window the, or the least window to contend so yep
0: yep I, I, I think it is a big get for them I, I mean I think they got a guy that sort of solves a, a an obvious need for them without like sure they gave up prospects and they gave up a first round pick but like their price on getting the defenseman that they need could have been way higher if they if they went crazy right I think this is a guy that they're able to sort of afford Forward and keep them under the salary cap and all that stuff. So it's, I think, it's a shrewd move by Kyle Dubas. The young the young first-year GM up there in Toronto. So uh, we'll see how it plays out for them. Obviously, it's a, it's a big move for them as we approach the trade deadline here. So uh, a big move for Toronto. And, and you know that the hopes are always very, very high. The, the
1: media there has been very calm about it. Yeah. Hard, hardly talking about it at all. Yeah, it's
0: about time we, we finally give this story a little coverage. Huh? Yeah,
1: that's right. Somebody's got to cover it, right?
0: <laughs> all right, enough about that. Let's talk about the All-Star game because God knows Andy watched... Yeah, it was
1: this no. game on his radar. Oh, I
0: was busy. I
1: was busy at a hockey game. Oh, okay.
0: I have a good excuse. Yeah. All right.
1: Well, let's talk <laughs> about it anyway. I I
0: watched it. I watched the All Star game and I also watched the skills competition. Or I guess they just call it skills
1: NHL skills, right? Do they? I don't know. But it was a competition. Yeah, I know.
0: <laughs> <laughs> anyway, I thought both events were pretty good. I mean. It's as good as you expect the All Star Game to be. I, I don't. I don't know. I m- my thoughts kind of more revolved around what we saw at the player tracking. I thought that that was kind of interesting. What they did. <laughs> the stuff with Kendall Coyne Schofield was really cool, really cool. Where she subbed in during the, the skills competition to do the uh, the fastest skater. Now, what I thought was really awesome. Obviously, she didn't win the event, but like she was right in there
1: with You're like sixth or seventh, right? She <laughs> play sixth or seventh.
0: I think it was higher than that. Cause there were only six skaters,
1: oh, and she there. didn't lose. Okay. She was in the middle. Yeah, yeah, like pretty yeah. good. It was it was awesome, and she, she just is she fast. flew. The fast. cool she thing flew. about that is, I sent that. I saw the video. No, I wasn't watching. I saw. Oh, it Oh yeah, Twitter. sure you were. <laughs> I was. I was on the radio. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. I, uh huh. Yeah, but I sent it to my niece who plays hockey. Who actually at the, that moment was playing hockey at Sharks Ice. Oh when yeah, that was going on, but she saw it later and was like totally excited by it. And yeah. and that's that's what's cool about that is a twelve that... year old girl. Sees that and and is just blown away by it.
2: Yeah, and that's everyone's like, oh, it's cool, but they don't understand. Sometimes they don't even understand the impact it has yeah. on the little girls, like or anybody, was right? Women, I should say, away, in yeah. general, like seeing women profiled in like kicking ass. Yeah, <laughs> that's that's not a
0: beep, is it? Well, I'm not gonna beep it. Okay, I'm gonna leave that one. All right, Whoa. you want? Know yeah, no, we're sorry. That's it's right. Twenty one. Twenty one. We're going <laughs> <laughs> Don't worry, the bleep horn will return, <laughs> but I'm not going to bleep that one because you know what? More power to the little girls out there that want to fly like kind of Coyne So It really does make a difference. So yeah.
1: Talking to my niece over the years and how as she's seen more women's hockey really inspires her because she can relate. Yep. Yeah, another awesome moment from that that was
0: not, at least on the NBC coverage, I don't think it was televised, no, it televised right? So in case you're not familiar, they had four female hockey players there to, I guess, sort of demonstrate the drills or I don't really know what their plan was with them. It was a last minute decision to have Quinn Schofield um, sub in for Nathan McKinnon, who was, I guess, injured and couldn't participate. But then they had the other three there to demonstrate drills. And Brianna Decker demonstrated the passing drill, which was like a stupidly hard, like absurdly (laughs) hard hard event. And I think they did this last year, something similar last year. But basically, the player had to pick up the puck behind the net, skate to the other side of the net, fire three passes onto the sticks of these weird mannequins things. (laughs) Then they went to the middle of the ice. They passed the puck over these barriers, and into like the smallest nets you've ever seen. And some of them were all the way on the other side of the ice. So they were like lofting like- Sauce. Yeah, Yeah. like 30 foot saucer passes to try to make them land flat and go into this tiny little net. And then after that, they had to go and fire pucks at these light up targets that were changing constantly. And you didn't know which one was gonna light up. It was like, it looked like the hardest (laughs) skills drill. Gauntlet of drills, yeah. Yeah. It was was absurdly (laughs) hard, right? And proven by the fact that the first person to go in the actual competition was uh, was Eric Carlson, who could not do it. Like, Eric Carlson is one of the best players of our generation, known as perhaps the best passer in the NHL and he, he couldn't get through. It took him what two yeah. and a half minutes or yeah. three minutes, something like that. And so what was interesting though about this is that the person that did the demonstration was Brianna Decker, who's a female player for Team USA uh, and she also plays on the Calgary Inferno from the CWHL. So what was really awesome though is that it turned out that as the demonstrator, she actually beat Leon Dreisidel's time and Leon Dreisaitl was the one that <laughs> won the event. So after the competition it became this big uproar because Dreisaitl won 25k for winning the event, quote unquote. But because her time was better, CCM Hockey actually gave her a 25K prize after there was this big Twitter uproar. So <laughs> cool. kudos to CCM Hockey. They're, they're not somebody that's sponsoring our podcast, but we are sponsoring them because I thought that was a really, really right. cool cool move by yeah. them. So we,
1: we will take their money if they want to sponsor yes, us. Yes, if yeah, they want to yeah. give
0: us 25K. <laughs> and
1: then well, we I don't can... know, people are lining up. We'll talk them up and we'll wear their hats and their t-shirts and their gear <laughs> yeah. and you name it.
0: People <laughs> are lining up. That is true, John. Man, oh man. I mean. Look <laughs> Look at how luxurious this studio is already from all the sponsors that we this, have. This so. is
1: my house, by the way. Uh huh. <laughs> well, NHL to Seattle is a big sponsor. That's true.
2: <laughs> I do. I do want to make sure we talk about the tech. So I'll tell you my experience for the All Star Game, and you know there was a bunch of pre articles uh, written uh, about it, and they demoed it down in Vegas less than a week earlier. Mm-hmm. It's really cool. It's it's kind of like being able to highlight the puck a little bit or the, the path of the, the puck. Um, and then they also have like speeds, of the players and some other data, and then they also have like kind of like the thought bubble over players where you can see where the players are yeah. on the video uh, game. Yeah. yeah, and so my experience was I was watching it on the TV on NBC, and then I had it on a tablet. The feed from NBCSports.com. I don't think they've totally wired it and figured it out, and you'll hear Konstantinik talk about that a mm-hmm. little bit. But it was really cool, and I felt myself looking more at the NBC.com feed, the NBC Sports the yeah. tablet, and even the replays are showing the tracking of the the puck was pretty cool right Mm -hmm. it kind of just leaves leaves a little trail not nothing
0: like the fox
2: tracker right like nothing like (laughs) it
0: no but do you remember when we talked about it's been a few episodes now but we talked about the glow puck and i made the argument that with today's technology the glow puck could actually be pretty cool yeah this is like what i'm envisioning right like the way that the streak kind of moves around on the ice like a snake and it like follows the puck perfectly this is what i'm talking about like with today's technology the glow puck is actually pretty cool and sure enough i thought it was pretty cool yeah yeah
2: it was it was now Here's, here's my complaint, and this is where they need to kind of iron it out the feeds were totally out of sync, mm-hmm. right? And I know technology and bandwidth and, and like there's different routes that cable takes versus internet. And then I was watching the CBC feed. I was flipping to the CBC feed to see what they were showing. And I don't know if they, they probably were, had some kind of online feature, but the CBC feed was ahead of both of the other feeds. And so now I'm like, okay, I've got three different feeds I'm looking at and none of them were in sync yeah. because ideally you have that data feed or that mm-hmm. synchronized with your TV. So So you can kind of go back and forth or whatever so it's got a lot of potential i think they need to figure kind of some of the solutions out because i don't think you're just going to throw the enhanced feed right on the TV, right out of the gate, it's got to be something that customers or fans, I should say, opt into a little bit where they have to kind of like want to look at that feed. Now, sure. it would be cool if it was like on a different channel. And so you could kind of flip back and forth and that would be synchronized. But I don't know how how far away we
0: are from that. My question is, what is going to be the most interesting thing? that? And that's what I think they maybe don't know yet, too. Oh, and by the way, the solution for syncing it is you just press pause on your TV until the <laughs> times line up. That's kind what I did. Kind of. Did you do that? I did. Oh, wow. I really did that. Uh, Yeah, you just press pause until, you know, it it says for... 22, and then when your little tablet or your, or your phone or whatever gets to 422, you hit play again.
1: That's well, it. actually, little I, I might have been on the antenna. On- what I found funny is that the, I saw a thing on Twitter where they showed, uh, you mentioned the thought the little bubbles above the players which show where they are. <laughs> yeah, all of them. And, yeah, During I mean, the like, warm up When they talked about yeah. the warm-ups, there was like 40 different bubbles. It was really hilarious. <laughs> that looked awesome. <laughs> it was yeah. kind of cool. I kind of laughed at it, but I liked it.
0: Anyway, I was going to say a moment ago, they haven't figured out what is most interesting yet. And what I mean by that is like, they're throwing all this stuff at you but it's not like really uniform, like this guy's out for this amount of time yeah. and this guy is skating at this speed. Like, what does that tell me? That doesn't really tell I'm me trying anything. I'm to, trying to figure out what sticks yeah. right yeah, now. Unless yeah, unless you can tell me like, this guy is the fastest skater in this game, right? Like that might be interesting. Yeah, somebody will right? figure it out. Yeah, so I think that's the kind of thing where it's like right now they have all this data that they suddenly don't have and they didn't have before, but figuring out a way to actually make it interesting for the viewer and to actually enhance the experience. To me, I didn't think that it really enhanced the experience other than it was something different to look at. And yeah, I like yeah. the global. Yeah. Players. I think, I mean, I think you're right. I mean, I think I'm, I'm with you there. So, but I liked seeing the
2: replays and the yeah. tracking. That was like the
0: distance they were from each other or whatever. That was kind of yeah. cool. And yeah, yeah. So tons of potential and it was really cool to see it for the first time. Like we've heard a lot about it. So. And then one last thing on the tech, did you see the, uh, the all-star intro that the Silicon
2: Valley show? Space Needle intro? was in there. Yeah. Space yep. Needle was oh, in yeah. there. Yeah. So that was kind of cool. You're That's like, cool. holy crap. There's yep. Seattle. Like some of this stuff is like making it even more real. Like I've, I've felt pretty good the last couple of months, but that's like incredible <laughs> seeing stuff like that. You're like, yep, yeah, we're in the club.
0: Yep. Right? We're, we're part we of are. it. All right. Let's get to our interview with Nick Katsuniki. Now, welcome back to Sound of Hockey, NHL.com's Nick Katsanika. Nick, thanks for doing this, and welcome back. Sounds like you're in balmy Michigan today, nice and toasty.
3: Well, it's hockey weather, man. I'm a hockey writer. It's all good. <laughs> <laughs> so
0: you're, you're just back from the All-Star Game in San Jose, where it probably was a little bit balmier. How was that experience for you?
3: Uh, I always enjoy the All-Star Game. I know a lot of people... Um talk bad about it, but I think it's a great event everywhere it goes. You know, you're not there for a Stanley Cup playoff game, right? You're not there for uh, heavy hitting and intense hockey. You're there to celebrate the game and have a good time. Um, You know, and if you're in San Jose and you walk around and you see the fans, I think the fans get into it. They get access to players that they don't normally get. Um, The fan fairs in the convention center. Um, And, yes, the weather was a little bit better in San Jose than it is where I am right now. And it was awesome. I mean, there were people outside. They still had a skating rink downtown. You know, so... You get to go to the fan fair and do all the exhibits, see the Stanley Cup, um see alumni, see current players, um, you know, hang out downtown, go to the skills, go to the game. Uh, I think it's a great event, and it's funny because we know it's coming to Seattle, and because I was just there last month, you know, I'm certainly thinking about how that would look in Seattle, in Seattle Center, and all the cool things that you could do um, in that area, and um, really kind of make a festival atmosphere, which is what it was in San Jose.
0: Awesome. Thanks for knowing your audience and making
1: it relatable to us. We appreciate that. <laughs> Were you a fan of the All Star jerseys this year?
3: Actually, I didn't like most jerseys. Like mm-hmm. I usually have the same reaction. Like when they when they first come out, I'm like, eh, I don't know. <laughs> um, and then they really warmed on me. And when I saw them in full uniform, I liked them even better. Like when I just saw the jerseys, I was like, ah, this, I don't know. And then the full uniform, especially the black ones, I really liked them. Yeah. Um I and I think it's cool too that they have you know the team crest on them instead mm-hmm. of like you know metropolitan or central <laughs> or whatever. Yeah, I kind of like that a lot. I,
0: I appreciate that they didn't make them wear white pants this year.
3: <laughs> white pants, very sparing. <laughs> On occasion, uh, it's okay, but uh, very, very sparing. Yeah, it's,
0: sure. it's like a seersucker suit. Like you know, you look sharp, but you can't do it very often.
3: <laughs> now, the one time I liked the white pants was the Maple Leafs last year. They played in that outdoor game in Annapolis, yeah, oh, yeah. And I was there, and like they looked really sweet. Like just the way they, they it was all together. I think it looked, that was one occasion where they look good that's not many occasions so
0: <laughs> so <laughs> I wanted to ask you about the player tracking because obviously this was a, a big deal at the all-star game where they were sort of unveiling it for the first time and I, I mean first of all are we living in the 22nd century or are we just basically in a video game now
3: if you want to be Um, (laughs) you know it's it's what i spent a lot of time doing uh over the weekend really kind of digging into it and there's all kinds of different applications for it i mean there's the team application how team you know, front offices are going to use the analytics, um, how coaches are going to use them and the players are going to use them in the game. And then you have the broadcast element, you know, VR, AR, you know, gaming applications. Like, there are so many ways you can you can take this data and use it. Um, and it's going to be fascinating to see how it develops, uh, you know, in the coming years. And yes, you can step right into a video game now if you want. Yeah. Like, you can put on a virtual reality, you know, headset headset and see from any player's perspective what it's like. It's incredible. But I think it's going to take time for everybody to <laughs> understand sort of what's valuable, what you can do with it, what what's white noise, what's like cool trivia, and what has meaning. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's going to be interesting. But like, you know, one of the cool things I got to do during the All-Star Game, like I wasn't actually, even in the you know press box for the All-Star Game, I was in... I spent the first game of the three-on-three tournament watching it from my computer to see what NBC did with their uh, second-screen broadcasts where they really played with a lot of the toys. I spent (laughs) the second game in their truck. Like, they had a whole separate production truck where they were playing around with all that stuff. And then I interviewed Kenny Albert and Keith Jones and one of their producers and wrote about it. And it, it, they wanted to overdo it on purpose and really play with everything and see what it, what they could do. Um, and, you know, it's going to be a, a work in progress for a while until they figure out what the right balance is between, you know, you want to enhance the game, you don't want to distract from another broadcast. So I'm, I'm excited about it. I think it, we're a long way from figuring out just kind of where this is, this might go.
2: Yeah, I thought it was a, it was a great first stab. And you can see there's, it's, they still need to figure out the application, like you said. I, th- I thought it was interesting and compelling. It, you know, I want to see what's next. So, But we know Silicon Valley isn't all tech. It, they also <laughs> are home to some great burgers. So I want to know how many times you went to In-N-Out Burger while you were there.
3: Unfortunately, zero. Oh, like, this
2: trip oh. was
3: like, a really bad eating trip because
2: whoa, whoa. Um,
3: you know, all the events were at night. You know, so like you're basically going from, you know, they had like press things during the day. So like you'd eat breakfast at the hotel, then you're on the run and then you're eating at the rink at night. So you're just trying to find food. Then. Yeah. <laughs> I went to San Jose uh, to do prep stuff about a week earlier. Like I spent, you know, maybe six days there and I definitely made two trips in and out. Okay. All right. All right. That makes up. Animal style. <laughs> all right. I,
2: so then do you go to Henry's High Life? If so, what was your order?
3: Definitely did. <laughs> Uh, Henry's High Life uh, Ribeye was the order um, you know, my other favorite spot in San Jose is Original Joe's. And I always tell everybody, to got to go to Original Joe's. And, um, you know, there's lots of good stuff there, but I always order the chicken parm. The, to me, it's like the best chicken parm in the league. So I always get my chicken parm in, in San Jose. And, you know, there's great burritos. It's it's a good food town. Not that I have much more room to gain weight, but I, I'm never lighter when I leave. <laughs>
2: so. You know, it seems like you had a good time down there. But of all the events you cover, and I'm not sure what, everyone you go to, I know you go to the Hall of Fame, you probably go to the NHL Awards and and probably cover the draft. What's your favorite kind of non-playoff type scenario event that you cover for the NHL?
3: To me, that's probably pretty easy. It's it's the winter classic. I'm a big outdoor game guy uh, and have been since the beginning, and I could give you the whole big tale. Like, I'm in Ann Arbor, Michigan right now. It's where I live. To make a long story short, the whole outdoor game thing started with Michigan State, which is the rival school to my alma mater, Michigan. And my wife got to go to the game, and I was in western Canada. I was in Vancouver, actually. Um, and they opened up the Vancouver province, and they have a... A two-page spread of the stadium full to watch a college hockey game, 70-some mm. thousand people. And me being an arrogant Michigan alum, I was like, if Michigan State can do it, we can do it. Like <laughs> we should have a game at Michigan Stadium. Michigan should play Michigan State. The Red Wings should play the Blackhawks or the Maple Leafs. They should make a weekend out of it. So like right from the beginning, I was, I was like, this is a great idea. We should do this. And I know as a TV event, It has not, you know, it's lost a little bit of its uniqueness, right? And people keep talking about, oh, it's it's stale and this and that. I've probably covered 14 or 15 outdoor games all over North America. Every single one of them I've been to has been awesome. It's been an event wherever it's been at, um, from Winnipeg in a 30-something thousand-seat stadium to Dodger Stadium to you know Michigan Stadium, you know five miles from my house where I'm speaking to you now, and this last Notre Dame, and, you know, yeah, the Blackhawks were in it again. Yeah, this is the <laughs> 11th winter classic. There were 76,000 people there. Yeah. And it yeah. was, I mean, it's just, it, it's its the coolest thing for me because the game is worth just enough to make it a real hockey game, unlike the All-Star game. But it's not worth so much that you can't deal with the elements and and, and have fun with it. And it's just a cool spectacle. And you've taken a regular season game that would normally draw 18,000 uh, in an arena and turned it into a spectacle, a big mm-hmm. event that people are going to remember. And I think it's awesome.
1: So getting back to some of the things that have been happening in hockey here just before the all-star game Edmonton obviously made the big move with Torelli being fired so looking at the Edmonton Oilers uh there's been a lot of names swirling around who do who do you feel are maybe the top top contenders to take over there
3: I mean the one well here here you go knowing my audience um the one if I'm in Seattle that I'm worried about is Kelly McCrimmon yeah yeah um you know, Western Canada guy, well-respected hockey guy, probably ready to be a GM. And if I'm Edmonton, and I know that Seattle might want to hire a GM pretty soon, uh, if I'm interested in McCrimmon, I want to get this done now. So that's one name that you hear. You know, there's a whole bunch of other candidates, but I think that that's one that really... You know, intrigues me with Bob Nicholson there. I think you're looking at some Hockey Canada connections. Yeah. Ken Holland's one. You know, he's still the GM in Detroit, but that's a that's a name. But that's that's the one name, Kelly McCrimmon, that I would circle at the moment that w- is most intriguing.
2: Do you think Do you think Vegas would grant access to him before the end of the season, or do you think Edmonton would just wait it out? Uh,
3: I, I think this is just pure speculation I right. think they would grant access because I think, okay. um, you know, George McPhee has said on the record that if somebody wants to talk to Kelly McCrimmon to be a GM, he will let him do that. Like, okay. I, I just think, you know, that's an opportunity that doesn't come along very often, you know, and, and Kelly's been a good... You know, partner for him, and and I don't think he wants to block his way.
1: Then also, the the big news that broke just Monday night, last night, uh, was obviously the Jake Muzzin trade, going from LA to to Toronto. Uh, Toronto, you know, was you know, their their defenses had some issues. Uh, does Jake Muzzin solve those issues for him?
3: Well, I, in theory, I mean, that's why they made. The trade. I, mm-hmm. I think there's some handedness issues, you know, which side is yeah. going to play on. Somebody's going to play on his offside on the top pair. But, you know, this is a guy who played with Drew Doughty in L.A., he was the stay-at-home guy, which allowed you know to, to show a little bit of skill, which which is what he should do with Morgan Riley. Um, you know, the other key aspect to the trade is that he bumps down you know a Ron Hainsey, who's sort of miscast on the on the top pair, and moves him mm-hmm. you know puts him on the third pair. So he slots guys differently. Um, you know, he just makes their defense stronger. This is a, a guy who's capable of playing on the top pair, playing against top players, who makes four million this year and next. Um uh, I think he's twenty nine. He's a veteran, he's won the Stanley Cup. Like it's just it's a great trade. You know, I really like it in theory. Um, mm-hmm. he also has more time to assimilate before the playoffs by doing this trade now. If you wait to yeah. the deadline, that's you know, that's another month, it's it's mm-hmm. fewer games. So get him in now, uh, get him acclimated, you know, get get he and, and Riley used to playing together, and I think there's a pretty good chance of success for, for Toronto.
1: And and my last question for you, when you were out here in Seattle, you, you came to a Thunderbirds game and then we chatted in the press box and you told me a really great Scotty Bowman story. You mentioned that you're around the Detroit Red Wings, and I was hoping that we could get you to tell your Scotty Bowman story uh, here on the podcast.
3: We would need a a podcast series. <laughs> <laughs> I can't remember which story I told you.
1: It was the one where you uh, you would skate. You played a game skating with the, the the building staff, and he saw you coming out.
3: Oh yeah, that's a safe one to tell. <laughs> there's some that are not real safe to tell. Um, yeah, back uh, back in the day at Joe Louis Arena, I would occasionally skate with the uh, arena crew. They would have a pickup game, and they would always play in the morning, like 7 a.m. So there's one morning I played the 7 a.m. game, and you know I come out. I'm walking out of the arena maybe at at 8:30 to dump my bag and my stick in the car and then it come back in for the Red Wings morning skate and I'm I'm cutting through the players parking lot and here comes this Mercedes with dark tinted windows and it <laughs> stops and the tinted window goes down and it's Scotty Bowman and I made a joke. I said, don't worry, Scotty, it's just a 10-day contract. No <laughs> laugh, no smile. The tinted window just goes back up and the car goes in. <laughs> He was not amused. <laughs> I love it. Oh, Which uh, love it. pretty much sums up um, my relationship with him at that
0: time. <laughs> kind of a general hockey question for you, Nick. What do you think, because obviously scoring's been up, and it was even mentioned by Commissioner Butman the other day. What do you think is causing that? Do you think it's here to stay, or do you think it's just a blip on the radar?
3: I hope it's not a blip on the radar. I don't think it is a blip on the radar. Um, You know, I think it's a combination of things. You know, the, the league did crack down on slashing, it did. It's reduced the goalie equipment a little bit. You know, all those things help. But I, I think the dominant reason is just that this is a league where speed and skill have been emphasized um, for lots of reasons. And you've got some great young talent that's coming to the league. And, you know, there's an emphasis on that. And because of it, I mean, more goals are going in the net. So, you know, you've always got to be real careful because these things do go in cycles and uh, there can be blips and what you think is a trend might not be. But I, that, that's that's what I tend to think. You know, you look you know, around the Winter Classic, I wrote about Patrick Kane, and I don't have the up, updated numbers, but, you know, a month ago, Kane was on pace for, you know, more points than when he won the Art Ross Trophy a couple of years ago, and he won that race by, like, 13 points, was the only guy over 100 points. And this year, he was, like, eighth in scoring in the league. So the top-end scores are, are producing more <laughs> and overall in the league, um, there's more offense. So I think it's a good thing. I think it's been exciting hockey. And what I hope is that all those factors have, have combined to make it a more exciting, a little bit more offensive game. Yeah, I
0: just feel a little bit bad for the goalies. He has a, he's a goalie, by the way.
3: <laughs> I, I don't.
0: <laughs> Neither does John. John picks on me a lot. So
3: The thing about I, the goalies is, like they took a little bit they made their equipment a little bit smaller but let's be honest the equipment is too big they took pads away from areas that were protecting the net not the body I know goalies have complained uh, but I've also talked to other goalies who will remain nameless who said look at who's complaining it's the guys whose numbers have gone down <laughs> it's more egos bruised than bodies bruised and there's some truth to that look the league has no interest in, in creating a safety problem and if you're athletic it should benefit you know like you know, andre Fleury who Who's who's an incredibly athletic goalie. It should give him an advantage over a goalie who's less athletic. So um, you know, to me. It, re- it's, it rewards merit, right? Like it rewards mm-hmm. goaltending skill and it gives shooters more net to shoot at.
2: So you mentioned earlier, uh, you spent some time in Seattle last month and I think it was, a, you spent a while, it was almost two weeks. What did you think, or what do you think now is the biggest challenge for Seattle as a hockey town?
3: I don't know. That's a good question. I mean, biggest challenge I think is just, you know, like it is in any other market is just introduce new people to the game. Mm-hmm. You know, one thing I really underestimated about Seattle, Myself was just how much of a base there already is there. You know, you have um, a lot of hockey fans. You have people who play the game. You have transplants from other cities uh, to go along with the people who already loved it there. You know, there's a rich history there, so there's a good foundation. But just like in any other city, including original six cities, um, you have to introduce new people to the game. And one difficulty is is because of the interest. Maybe you know, I'm just thinking out loud here is, you know, I think this is a sport that you have to see live. And so if all these season tickets are spoken for and prices are going to be super high to get into the building, how are you going to expose people to to the NHL game? I think that's a critical thing. One thing Vegas has done very well, you know, it's a tough ticket at T-Mobile Arena right now. I was there a week ago and it was $250, cheapest ticket on StubHub. Um, That's tough. That's tough for, for most people to get into the building. But what they have done, is made practices free, and the stands are full. And so at the bare minimum, you can watch the team and you can go see the players up close to practice, mm-hmm. and it doesn't cost you anything. And I know that's the plan in Seattle. So I think, you know, that's a good thing because I think – you know, that's a challenge. Like, if people are going to fall in love with hockey who 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 haven't been exposed to it, that's the way, that's what has to happen. they got to see the game live.
0: Yeah. All right, and to wrap up the inter- interview with you, Nick, we're going to play a quick game of buy, sell, or hold, as we like to do with our guests. So our first topic in buy, sell, or hold, the Atlantic Division is the best division in the NHL.
3: I will say, I will buy that. Um, you know, I'm not thinking top to bottom, but they've got you know, the best team in the league in, um, lightning. They've got the Toronto Maple Leafs who are pretty exciting and a much better team now, I think with Jake Muzzin. And, and but they, you know, think of your Toronto, right? Like you've got a really good team. You've, you went out and got John Tavares. Now you went out and got Jake Muzzin, but you still probably have to beat Boston and Tampa <laughs> to get to the conference <laughs> final. Like that's, that's tough. Good luck. Um, you know, the Metro is kind of weird this year. Like, I give the Islanders tons of credit, but I'm still surprised that they're at the top. You know, Columbus is in, is in third place right now. Might look a lot different after the trade deadline. Mm-hmm. You know, I think probably the other... Con- I don't know. It's tough, man. Central with Winnipeg and Nashville. Pretty stacked. Uh, the Pacific with Calgary, San Jose, Vegas. But I'll stick to my buy on uh, the Atlantic.
2: Yeah. So uh, we might know which way you're leaning on this one. So, But buy, sell, or hold, the, the Seattle general manager will be someone with experience as a general manager. Buy, sell, or hold.
3: Well, I just told you about Kelly McCrimmon. Yeah. He doesn't <laughs> have experience as, as GM. I mean, I'm, I'll take the wishy-washy route and say hold. Um, because I don't know. I mean, it could, it could easily be Kelly McCrimmon, but it could also easily be a Ken Holland. It's not news to you that lots of people in the game think that Ken Holland will end up in Seattle. Mm. So that would clearly be an experienced GM. I think if all I think. OK, just to be clear, I think if if all's equal, they would like an experienced GM. Uh, I think that that is shown to be a good way to go. Um, I think Kelly McCrimmon is the exception to the rule, a good exception, but an exception. So I brought that name up. That doesn't mean he's the only choice. I think he's the one exception. So. I don't, I don't. know if that answers
1: your question. Yeah, no, that's yeah, that's perfect. good. All right, so the next buy-seller hold hits a little close to home for you. Uh, buy-seller hold. The Detroit Red Wings will return to the playoffs in the next five years.
3: Uh, I buy that. You know, I think they can. I don't know that it'll be. It certainly won't be this year. It won't it might not be next year, but I think five within five years they should be able to do it. I think if you look two or three years down the road, some of these young players, you know, who have developed will further develop. They've got Philip Zadina, a really good player who's a top ten pick last year in the minors, ready to come. They'll have, you know, a top pick in this draft who should be able to help them within that window. So, you know, I think they should be able to turn that around. You know, one good thing that Ken Holland has done is really restock. Their system. I mean, they were pretty depleted after making all those runs for a quarter century. I mean, their average first pick over 25 years of making the playoffs was number 38. <laughs> Like, you don't replenish your top talent when it's like that. That's the cost of being competitive for a quarter century. So they had to replenish. And once it was clear that their streak was going to end, he started to sell. He started to collect draft picks. They had lots of picks in the last two drafts. They'll so have lots in this draft. Um, and those those picks will start to bear fruit, and I think they'll be able to make the playoffs. And, I mean,
0: his agent mentioned that Datsuk's probably coming back, right? So.
3: <laughs> <laughs> I love, love Pavel. He, he. I've been spoiled to watch a lot of great players in Detroit, and it's it's a high compliment for me to say he's the player I missed watching the most. Mm-hmm. But he's getting up there, and I tend to think that his agent's comment is more to extract more money from his, his Russian team. But we'll see. <laughs> oh, you never know. Ilya Kovalchuk came back. All right. Yeah.
0: Buy, sell, or hold. Vegas Golden Knights, and I know you spent a lot of time there last year as well. Vegas Golden Knights will return to the Stanley Cup final this season.
3: Uh, sell. Um, and that's not to take anything away from Vegas. It's just, it's, it's so hard. It's so hard to go back and it, you know, it's so hard in the West. I mean, they're going to have to get through San Jose, uh, which is a better team, uh, Calgary, which is playing great just to get out of their own division. And then you've got Winnipeg and Nashville in the central. Um, it's going to be very, very difficult to get back to the final. They can do it, but I don't think the odds are with them at all.
2: Yeah. Uh, and so the last buy, seller hold, keeping it close to our home, Seattle will make the playoffs in the first season.
3: Sell. So, I think you look at Vegas and, you know, I think everybody's smart enough to know that that was crazy. That was crazy. <laughs> like, that was crazy. <laughs> I mean, not only, you know, forget making the final, but like, Everything that led up to that, I mean, I don't think anybody, I think people thought they would be a good expansion team. I don't think anybody thought they were going to make the playoffs, uh, let alone have, I think, the fifth best record in the league and go to the final. It was just nuts. I think so many things lined up for them just the right way, and then you add in, you know, the tragedy that happened in Vegas and, and everything that surrounded that. I think it was an exceptional thing i would expect seattle to be competitive immediately i would expect them to not have to wait a very long time to make the playoffs but to make it in the first season i think is going to be is going to be difficult and, yeah. and that's the way it should be yeah
1: and then finally it's not a not a buy or sell hole but but you've been around the game a long time and you've, you've already mentioned bowman and Datsuk, but we were curious if you had a guy that was maybe the most interesting character you've covered in your time uh, covering sports
3: oh the most interesting (laughs) character. Yeah. Um, I've been fortunate to be around a lot of interesting characters. (laughs) Scotty may be the most interesting. I mean, Uh he, I mean, it was an experience. You know, I was a young reporter. This is a guy who was already in the Hall of Fame for a a long time, Mm -hmm. Um, already the winningest coach in in, in NHL history. When, when... (laughs) when the reporters used to battle with him, we always used to joke, we should say, who's also lost more games than any coach in NHL history. (laughs) I mean, because, but he'd been around so long, like, and he'd seen everything and knew, like, he would sprinkle conversations with, you know, stories about Doug Harvey and, and Bobby Orr, and just, he just, he was history. And so, I mean, what an experience to be around somebody like that. He's forgotten more hockey than I'll ever know. Yeah. It was a great experience. And, and, all the personality and his quirks and his mind games. Like, I laugh about them now. They weren't as funny then. (laughs) Um, You know, I I now feel very fortunate to have been around him and that team and all those guys. I mean, I I was very fortunate to cover the 2001-2002 Red Wings, who were full of Hall of Famers. dodd was a rookie on that team. When the NHL had its NHL 100, 100 greatest players, come together in L.A. a couple years ago, they had nine of the 100. Wow and that didn't even include Igor Larionov who's in the hockey hall of fame so incredible you know collection of talent and that he was the the perfect coach to lead that group, and uh, again, very lucky to be around him.
1: And he probably heard every question a reporter could probably ask. That must make it difficult to cover him.
3: Well, what was what was what was very Scotty? It didn't matter what you asked him; he would answer whatever <laughs> he wanted. <laughs> you could ask him, "Scotty, is the sky blue?" And he'd be like, "You know what our record is with this ref? It's you know two and 10. And you know, uh, like he would just like in one answer go left or go right or like you know. And I was the the local writer who could only do him harm. You know, like if I wrote Scott he was the greatest coach of all time, yeah, he knows that. <laughs> like he doesn't yeah. need me to raise his profile. But if I write a player has an injury, well that's that's a problem, right? So there were some, some battles, but um yeah he, he'd heard it all let's
0: say that yes for sure <laughs> very cool well nick thank you so so much for joining us you've been really gracious with your time we know you have to run so uh we very much appreciate you coming on sound of hockey and we hope to have you on again in the future i look forward to
3: it thanks guys all right,
0: and we'll see you in seattle again soon probably too huh
3: i'm, I'm angling my
0: way back so we'll see
3: <laughs> got, all right
0: <laughs> <laughs> thanks again to nick Katsanika, andy great job getting him to tell that scotty bowman story <laughs> that yeah, when, he, when
3: he He's was like, like, here told me one? that
1: story and it was great yeah he obviously has a lot of Scotty Bowman stories yeah. but uh, that was one that I really cracked me up.
0: It was really good to get to talk to him again from, you know, a, a more in-depth approach than we had him last
1: time we were and quieter, at last time we were yelling. <laughs> yeah, shouting at him for 2 minutes. So,
0: let's get to our segments. Our first segment this week is a you don't see that every day. And it's a nice follow-up to last week's yeah. You Don't See That Every Day because last week we
1: had, what was it? The Humvee that broke down, yep. right? In, in Chinawick for the Tri-City yep. Americans. So this week- it's they, had, <laughs> they had some more issues with vehicles on the ice. They had a fan bony, yep. which is like a zamboni doesn't actually clear the ice, it has people in it, that uh, blew a hose apparently and it started smoking and dropping oil and gunk all <laughs> over the ice and- there's a great video of it slowly moving off the ice, and all you see is the smoke billowing out of it, and this Leave big it nasty street. trail, a streak right down the center of the ice. Yeah. And I got to hand it to their their Twitter person because they they tweeted out and said maybe we shouldn't have vehicles on yeah. the ice anymore. It was really <laughs> funny. Yeah. Uh, I
0: I do wonder though, like at this point, if they keep up with this pace, is it just going to turn into a you do see that every day? Yeah, maybe, I yeah,
2: oh, oh, wait, maybe we need to have two separate segments. It's like a Zamboni edition yeah.
1: or, ooh, or on ice edition or something. This special. week in Tri City Americans. <laughs> (laughs) Uh, Vehicle issues. (laughs) Well,
0: (laughs) at one third of the way through the show, we'll do a quick resurface. And then at two thirds of the way through the show, we'll do a second resurface. <laughs> right. And we'll, we'll tell you about the latest news in Zamboni, which, which will certainly involve the Tri-City Americans. <laughs> really kind of ironic that after we talked about it on last week's show, then they had another incident a, a week later. So good times. Thank you, Tri-City Americans yes. for the fantastic content. We really appreciate it. Next, we're gonna move into our weekly one-timers. And we have quite a few this week, so stick with us here. But there's there's some good ones. There's some good good ones to chew on here in the weekly one timer segment. Our first weekly one timer, as we mentioned in the Nick Katsunika interview, Dan Milstein, who is the agent for Pavel Datsuk and many Russian superstars and even not superstars, many many players, <laughs> many Russians. players in general, most of whom are Russian because he is, well, I think he's actually Ukrainian, but he speaks Russian. So he's like the the agent to the Russian stars. Anyway, he drummed up some interest this week on, on social media, saying that he's not ruling out a return <laughs> to the NHL by the magic man, Pavel Datsuk. Now... As Katsunika mentioned on the interview, I don't know that this is a real possibility, right? But it is very interesting. I, I mean, he's still playing in the KHL, which we explained to you. You know, the guy can still play.
1: I'm I'm going to say right now he's going to join Kovalchuk in LA. That's LA. Just, they just like to capture up all those old Russian a players, hot take. and they're just going to throw money at him for no reason, and and it'll, it'll not work out as well. Isn't <laughs> as he still think?
0: under contract with the Coyotes?
1: Oh, he oh, might be. That's a good that's point. Right. Oh. I could
0: be wrong on that. I don't know. We should do some fact checking. They right? did. I
1: think they did pick him up to get to their salary. That guy. was. It oh, was ceiling. definitely like a
0: salary cap yeah. dump from the. Yeah, from Chris the Red News. might also
1: still be on there. Yeah, and well, Mar- it's, and Marion Hosa. It's a Hall of
0: Fame team. Really <laughs> pick is. up all those guys. Yeah,
1: <laughs> interesting
0: story about Dan Milstein. I actually spoke to him last season uh, with my old podcast. We did an interview with him. He told us a story. Actually, when he first became an agent, he was working at a bank, uh, and I think he was like. Like a like a loan officer or like something like that, and somebody at the Red Wings sent this guy in to talk to him because he was Russian and he had just started playing for the Red Wings and and he needed somebody to help him with his finances that spoke Russian. Turns out it's Pavel Datsyuk, and he <laughs> says, "Hey, I really need your help, not just with finances, but with everything." And so eventually, Dan Milstein becomes his agent, and that's how he became an agent in the NHL. Now he's one of the best known agents. You know, he's, <laughs> he's our Temi Panarin's agent. He's uh, Nikita Kucherov's agent. He's just he's got a, a Ton of really really well-known players so that was kind of an interesting story how his how that started it was i don't think he plans to become an nhl agent it just happened that way because pavel Datsyuk happened, <laughs> happened to walk into so, his bank
1: if you work in a financial institution and a young russian comes in and asks for help be nice to him
0: well yeah especially if you speak russian i think <laughs> yeah. that's
1: helpful
0: yeah our next weekly one-timer we had opined as a group after last week's podcast that Peter Shirelli would be fired as the general manager of the Edmonton Oilers before we recorded our next episode. And I think it was confirmed that he had been fired that same night by the time it was written on yeah. our show notes. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, no surprise by any means. I think this has been one of those that's been coming down the pike for a long time. It feels like a long time coming. But you do have to wonder, like, where does Edmonton go from here, right? And are they going to be a lottery pick again this year? Well, they're not.
1: They're what, only three or four points out of a yeah. playoff spot. Yeah, but everybody's
3: only three points.
1: They have to go over like yeah, eight, there's four or five teams, teams ahead of them, and and it's not surprising. You know, he he was part of the Boston Bruins team that won the Stanley Cup, but it's been a mess in, in in Edmonton. Starting with his first month on the job, the first thing he did was trade the number sixteen pick in the NHL draft in two thousand fifteen for Griffin Reinhardt, who's now in the minor leagues with Vegas, and they traded that to the Islanders, and the Islanders drafted Matthew Barzell with that pick. That, that it well, went down, and it went I mean, down, and um, it went down from there. A lot of people
2: missed on the Barzal. But
1: there were other there. guys that even even if Edmonton didn't want to take Barzal, there were a lot of other really good players that could have been taken with that pick. So here's here's what I don't like. So the the reality is he got
2: canned during the second period. The second period, uh, which is like <laughs> they were losing why, to Detroit. You lose to Detroit, Detroit, yeah. That's but what happens. but why like, so to
0: give him a chance to make a quiet exit? It, yeah. But why? <laughs> Fire the
2: GM during a game. I mean, it's not like you got to get him out of there before he like makes another trade or anything. I mean, well, like well, I don't know did, he before that, he made a really bad signing. He made that. He did. He did. But like, get him rid of him before or get rid of him the next day. Yeah. Like, I I think that's a little petty, and maybe I don't know. The full details. I know Jeff Merrick had a, had a theory that maybe he's like, just let me go now. Yeah, just get it over with. Yeah. And, yeah.
0: I, I wonder too if it's like a, just an ability to sneak him out of there so he doesn't have to talk to the crazy Edmonton media yet again, right? it yeah, has been yeah. calling for his head for how many no, months that, and uh, years now? So
2: and Yeah, that might be it, right? Yeah. Like his, it's more like – a courtesy
1: thing—you don't have to face the media. Well, they also night. announced it like midnight Edmonton time on the last game before the All Star break. So we were at the T-Birds, yeah, game, yeah, and we're like, "Oh my God,
2: this is not going to end well." And no, turns out he was.
0: Yeah. So I mean, in addition to—I mean, think of some of the moves he made, like Taylor Hall yep. to the Devils for Adam Larson. Oh God, that was a bad trade. That was a. <laughs> and then, of course, Taylor Hall becomes the MVP in the, of the league. The like, oh,
1: or they—they or was it was the was it Eberle for Spooner? and They just waved Spooner. Is that the other <laughs> yeah. trade he made? Yeah, I saw. A funny tweet, you know, because because he made some trades with the Islanders that worked out for the Islanders, and Islanders fans said, "Why would you fire a guy who's helped build this first place Islanders team?" Yeah, <laughs> and it had a picture of Barzell and everything, all Everly, the, and all all these the Islanders players. <laughs>
0: yeah, yeah. The one that really,
1: like, so recently too,
0: like the, the even the Miko Koskinen goalie signing. Why would they do that? Yeah, like, why no, would he do that? What was the but, rush? <laughs> at this point, he's a he's a backup essentially, yeah. right? Like, he, well, well, he well like, Talbot Talbot's struggling. They're, well, they're smarter, and they don't
2: they don't have anybody under contract for next year. <laughs>
0: Still, it's insane. I think they signed him for like four and a half million dollars, something like that. And that guy's—he's thirty, yeah. 30 years old. And how many uh, games has he even played yeah. in the NHL? No, I'm, other I'm just saying. Insane. I'm just, I'm just.
2: <laughs> there's like they needed to sign one of those guys, and and uh, Tabo's not playing well, so they probably didn't want to sign him. Who knows? Koskinen
0: has a as a dog on his a wiener dog on his helmet, so I'm kind of partial to him. <laughs> as much as Charlie gets dumped on, and he kind of. Put the Boston Bruins in a similar situation where the the new GM there, who I want to say is Don Sweeney, if I'm not mistaken, he had to come in and kind of like clean up a whole salary cap mess, right? Mm-hmm. Similar situation for whoever's coming into Edmonton now. The difference, though, is that when he left Boston, Shirely had actually won a Stanley Cup, right? Yes. So he built the team that won the Stanley Cup in Boston. So it's it's crazy to see how it, and he it's. Traded,
2: like, he also traded Tyler Sagan away. So, <laughs> yeah. So, yep. yeah, no big, <laughs> no big deal.
0: It's it's just it's crazy. Like I don't I don't know I I don't him working as a GM again. I don't either. I don't Um, know. That's a long That's a weekly like 10 timer right there. (laughs) Our next weekly one timer. We had a very crazy finish to the Sharks and Capitals game last week which was one of our games on the radar if I'm not mistaken.
1: Mm-hmm. We we actually broke a cardinal rule because we were this was you guys were at the T-Bird game we were all three of us in the press box before mm-hmm. the game we had it on and we all kind of cheered or yelled when this happened yeah. you we're not supposed to do that. Yeah well the game hadn't started
0: <laughs> That's yet. True. We'll yeah, the about. T-Bird's game hadn't started yet but we were definitely cheering the press box which is a no-no that is true. <laughs> yeah I'm yeah. still learning that. Yeah. Yeah. That's right. Anyway, it was a wild game. The the Sharks were down and with less than a second left, they tied the game, and then they, they won in overtime. So, obviously, John, as the resident Sharks fan, was pretty thrilled with the outcome.
2: Yeah, I was. Was it Vanderlei on okay, right? the doorstep with one second left? Yeah, a little more, like 1.3, mm-hmm. I think. And there was two hat-tricks, right? So, the Sharks right. ended up, Hurdle ended up scoring in overtime, that which trick. was a hat-trick. Ovi had a hat-trick. It was insane, yeah. right? Like, and, and it was
0: insane early and often. Our next weekly one-timer. Whoops. Colorado Eagles goaltender, Spencer Martin, stopped 68 shots for a shutout. (laughs) Whoa! That was yeah.
1: Pretty
2: good. He set a franchise record, but technically that's franchises in its first year. So well, th- are they, team? they counting it because they were in ECHL? too they, yeah, they just AHL. The they, they moved, up. They they moved up from the HHL. Cheese
1: Toast League. Yeah, yeah so was the AHL.
2: AHL version. Crazy thing. I looked. I looked this guy's stats up. I'm like, oh, this guy might be up and comer. He's not even the starter. <laughs> mm. So who knows? Maybe. Yeah. Maybe he's a future crap weasel. You never know. Do you yeah. know who they were
1: playing? Was it? Was it the back? Was it a bad team? They're giving the backup goalie treatment. Oh, I don't know. 68 shots. That doesn't sound like a bad team. <laughs> Pretty decent showing oh, by yeah. any team. They could have all been like dump ins and shots from the outside. That's yeah.
0: right. I <laughs> think everybody's Corsi. Yeah. <laughs> Our next weekly one timer. Speaking of Alexander Ovechkin, he was in the news recently for setting yet another another milestone. Before the All Star break, he actually tied Sergei Fedorov as the most points ever by a Russian player. I don't know why I didn't know this, but he wasn't even it wasn't on my radar that he was approaching that. I mean, does that make him the best Russian player of all time? He's up there. Ooh, that's a maybe gal. the best. Maybe the best, the best, the best Russian that's played in the NHL that played like his whole career in the NHL. Right? What some his, of the uh,
1: Fedosov or Fetisov, that so, defenseman? Yeah, yeah they Detroit, and but he and came. Over later,
0: right? He was part yeah, of Russian Five. Was, so. so
2: the the question on the table is: Is Ovechkin the best Russian, Russian NHL hockey player?
0: Definitely the best goal scorer. Yeah, he absolutely. might be one of the best goal scorers like ever. Fedorov was pretty there. good. Yeah, Pommel yeah. I Burry. think I might oh,
1: Vancouver Canucks legend Yeah, yeah. yeah. tough.
0: I, I, the thing the is, where does Rick
1: Nash like, fit into all this? <laughs>
2: These are like debates on the game was really different, right? Even yeah. even yes. back in the '90s, yes, uh, th- it was different. Burry right? would probably score a lot of goals now with the speed. He would, but man, there's so much speed out there right now, mm-hmm. you know. And I'm not obviously not knocking him, but who knows? He would have developed
1: differently. In I mean, the as a days.
0: as a 33 year old, he's on pace for 60 plus goals. So that's good. That's
1: pretty incredible. That's good at hockey. He's pretty good at hockey. Yeah, pretty yeah. good player. Although in our our buy sell our hold. Uh, article that's up on NHL2Seattle.com I predicted he will come up one game one goal short of 60 because of the game he got suspended for. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's
0: yeah. a little context there. He's actually currently suspended for one game because he decided he didn't want to play in the All-Star game, which I feel like at some point when you're like one of the best players in the world, and you have been one of the best players in the world for as long as he's been, you know, maybe you give him a pass. But whatever. Well, hey, when you, I get when it. You
1: spent your whole summer like just drinking away your Yeah, the well, but <laughs> guys got to He's he's gone to a lot of the yeah. All Star games like, and really gosh. like leaned into it. Right, right. It's not the team that suspended him; it's the
0: league.
2: Yeah, right? yeah, the yeah. Capitals
1: were like, we'll, we'll give you that. Yeah, one. hopefully they figure something out there. Yeah. I don't need to dwell on that. Curious
0: to see how they re- how they respond after this All Star break slash bye week that they're on. Because I think going into the break, if I'm not mistaken, they they've gone 0-5-2 in seven games mm-hmm. or something like that. So, you know, that's not great. It makes you wonder about that, that team there that no longer has Barry Trotz as the coach. But um, <laughs> and has now fallen out of the lead in the Metro to
2: the powerhouse, Derek Islanders, yes. which is also in our article. On the, the stack Bison. Metro. Oh, yeah.
0: Our final <laughs> weekly <laughs> one-timer. Whoops. Former Everett Silver Tip, Carter Hart. Friend of the friend of the friend of the podcast probably right. <laughs> so Somebody out there's friends. So. I've, I've yeah. met a few yep. times. Andy's totally spoken to him, spoken to him yeah. before. So friend of Andy, we're tight. I say. He <laughs> might just be the savior in Philadelphia. He has won four games in a row, which I, I think I saw that no other goalie has done that for Philadelphia this year. And it was I saw some other stat where like. There, there's been no streak of under three goals in four games something like that so and and I, I read
2: another stat he's the first <laughs> Philadelphia goalie under 21 to
0: win four in a row it's a lot of it's pretty wild stats. there's so much pressure on this kid but so far
1: he's he's living up to it you know and they're keeping him up yeah. they, we, originally I think their plan was to bring him up for a little while but now he's there to stay
0: but I mean think about Philadelphia right like
1: there's got to be a reason that the
0: like I always have this theory with for example I'm a Minnesota Viking they have a terrible issue with their kickers the last few years. Their kickers <laughs> are horrendous, and I I can't help but wondering if like there's got to be something with the way that the coaches are handling the kickers, right? Like there's got to be something with Philadelphia. Like the media, the pressure, the the fans must the just turn on, the cheese steak. The goalies, the goalies <laughs> <Gritty>. must <laughs> just get turned on so fast. Yeah, there, Gritty, Gritty's new. Maybe, maybe that's one corner. Maybe doing Gritty's
2: well. part of the turnaround.
0: <laughs> Gritty can't speak. <laughs> That's just that, it. That dude, There's more to life than just speaking. Yeah. He can write. He can Google those eyes. Yeah, yeah he yes. can write. By the way, we never mentioned what his to-do list was that, for the yeah. All-Star Ooh, Game. I'm glad yeah. you guys reminded me about speaking Gritty. Speaking of Gritty. <laughs> he put out on Twitter that he had this to-do and packing list before he went to the All-Star Game. His list included, in terms of items to pack, a skim board, swimmies, tanning oils, aloe plants, jersey, underwear, parentheses, the good pair, pepper, <laughs> Pepper, parentheses, salt to be provided by 29 other NHL mascots. <laughs> Face masks and beard essentials, ice skates, air pods, rope, change purse, rash guard, world atlas, shark repellent, <laughs> breathe right strips, good attitude. And then he sets some reminders for himself to make sure to download Trolls and the Fire documentary on Netflix. <laughs> Which is a good documentary. Yep. Take care of the thing with that guy. <laughs> <That's> my favorite. <laughs> Call the hotel to request an adjoining room with Claude. That's my favorite. Get get cash from the ATM, parentheses, no paper trail. And finally... And finally, set away message. So, <laughs> man, gritty. He's he continues. I mean, I know. As everything as, he does as is much gold. As he try mm-hmm. yours. Yeah, as you, much as we try as to, knock as, down, no, uh, we, to
1: knock him down, no, you try to knock him down. I'm on
0: team gritty. I'm on team gritty as well. Yeah. One last note on Carter Hart. Oh, after all that gritty talk, right? One last <laughs> note on Carter Carter Hart. It has been mentioned that like pretty much anyone on the Flyers could theoretically be had right now by new GM Chuck Fletcher, formerly of the. No, I'm not going to say it. I'm not, <laughs> this is my first episode. I'm not going to mention my favorite team. Yeah. Yep.
2: Episode number 21. 21.
0: I made it. It seems like pretty much anybody can be had except for Jeru. And I saw it mentioned that Hart is the other guy.
1: There's no way this can Yeah, that no, can't hopefully.
0: be had. Isn't that wild? I think that's absolutely nuts that they
1: I mean they, they drafted traded. him yeah. we, we talk about all the goalie problem. They drafted him in the second round with the purpose of becoming the guy mm-hmm. that ends that streak of bad goalies. So mm. and he's he's shown well since they've called him up so there's I think there's no way. Man, it's just he's he's still so young. Like yeah. and that's yeah. that's the crazy thing and he could he was eligible to come back and play in the WHL. Yeah, I know it's so rare to see a, a goalie that young. Yep.
0: Let's finish off the show with games on the radar.
2: I've got uh, Lightning versus the surprising upstart New York Islanders. 4 p.m. on Friday. the February 1st. Should be a good game. Should be
1: kind of a benchmark game for the Islanders, see how they contend with kind of the cream of the crop, the Tampa Bay Lightning. I'm going to go local here. Uh, Seattle, uh, Thunderbirds and Everett Silver Tips have a home-and-home this weekend. Friday at the Shore Center, Saturday up in Everett. Uh, That rivalry has turned into a pretty good rivalry. This is the first time that they will have played each other since the big trade they made on New Year's Day, which sent Sean Richards to uh, Seattle and Jack Andrusiak to Everett. By the way, in the games since then, they both have similar numbers, almost identical point together. you serious? I am serious. Wow. Because I, I was <laughs> at the get, uh, Lethbridge game on Saturday. Yeah, a hat trick. he looked good. He scored. He three points on Sunday. For all right, Saturday. all right. I apologize. I, I'm going to be I've talked have to both those guys, so. Look for a story on that.
0: And my game on the radar, Tuesday, February 5th, I have Wild at Buffalo.
1: Oh, I did it. Oh, <laughs> oh no. All the way to the end. Oh, uh, let's edit we'll, we'll, edit yeah. Sorry, out. we'll edit that
0: out. We porn. We All right, so this wraps up episode 21. <laughs> Cheers once more, gentlemen. Cheers once Thank more. Right, whoa, 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 still whoa, whoa, nursing whoa. these one beers that yeah. we had here. What's that?
2: Well, I was going to say, like, hit that to, like, create a clank. Oh.
1: <laughs> here, no, no. Here. <laughs> I think we should leave this part in.
0: That's on a clank. <laughs> Trying to make sure to get us those five star reviews. Keep those things coming in, folks. And thanks so much again to Nick Katsanika, and thanks so much to you for joining us. We'll talk to you all next week for episode twenty-two. Oh, wow.